Welcome back to the podcast. I appreciate you coming back for another episode. If this is your first time, um, thanks for listening. Um, I want to get right to the point. Uh, I, I got into a pretty good discussion on Facebook, on the on the podcast page there on Facebook. And uh, a couple of the guys, you know how guys like to argue, us guys, were arguing, not necessarily arguing, but debating and, and trying to uh, communicate ideas. And the question uh, kind of was, uh, how can how can faith be pragmatic at all? Because prag- pragmatism, um, you're looking for facts and evidence. And he and this fellow was of the assertion that that facts and uh, faith don't jive. And I think he was coming from a place where he had a lot of assumptions of what the word God means and what faith implies. Um, and I think, and that, that's a that's a result of modern Christianity um, having things confused. Uh, people tend to have a uh, a preconceived notion based on their their personal experiences, especially when it comes to the idea of faith. Um, so I wanted to clarify what we're talking about, um, and. Uh, what we're what I'm seeking here through this podcast is to identify the truth about what Jesus was really talking about, um, and you know, and not necessarily just Jesus from a lot of different aspects. But I want to focus on Jesus because I think he had it. He knew he had this figured out, and that's why he was killed. That's why he's been such an important figure in history. Um, you know, because like the Christian movement, if you look into the archaeology and and um, uh, and tracking down what happened to the Christian people that were following Jesus, because he had a big movement, there were a lot of people. That's why he got the government's attention. Um, you know, he was man. He, he was he was rallying people to to what he was preaching, and I think modern Christianity has it has it confused. They've you know, the doctrine has taken over um, being rational and actually looking directly at the words Jesus was talking about. And um, when the when the Gnostic Gospels, these things that were found in Nag Hammadi, Egypt, and uh, and somewhere else, uh, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, these discoveries in the 1900s, um, you know, less than a hundred years ago, uh, from today when I'm speaking. Uh, it the same people who today kind of like promote this doctrinized religion are the same people um, who discredit, try to discredit these Gnostic Gospels um, uh, as as being forgeries or fake or um, uh, imitations or uh, you know copycat that kind of thing. Um, even though scholars, the people who like are supposed to be around to debunk myths and explain things and rely on facts and pragmatism and looking at things rationally, right? Uh, those folks are like, well, I don't know, they seem legitimate. These seem period correct. Um, they seem to be uh, some interpretations put them in the first century. That's like pretty close to Jesus. And one of the things is the Gospel of Thomas, which is literally a, a, just a liturgy of sayings, 
of Jesus. And the church today, they want to, nope, nope, that's not what we're going for. That's, we don't accept that. Uh, that's just, that's heresy, which is the same kind of thing that happened in like the 200s and 300s when Rome started to take over the Christian narrative. And so this podcast is coming at the the concept of Jesus. And I think I've figured out what he said. And the Bible says it clearly. Uh, when we start to understand what Jesus was really saying, all this makes a whole lot more sense and uh, makes it a whole lot more real. Because Jesus was uh, obviously a, a political, politically, and, you know, he was politically uh, an outcast. So, like, and, and the same would be true today. If people were to start truly living like Jesus was talking about uh, and putting down money and just giving away your money to the poor, you know, take what you need for today and the rest, uh, give it to help to grow, to build, to, to live out this spirit of love. And the Bible directly says that God is love. And so when we start to look at it through that lens and take that on seriously, rather than looking at all the doctrine, I mean, does it matter? The idea of Jesus being raised from the dead and that he's going to swoop back down from somewhere. And uh, I mean, that's that that's fantastical. That's uh, it's like medieval medieval lore. You know, dragons and fairies and, and you know, there were stories. And I, I don't know. It might be intentional, like sinister, as a way to control the people. And, I mean, even today, you know, high politicians are, you know, they're in close contact with a high church. You know, they hobnob. They speak with each other. <laughs> you know, there's a narrative. Uh, you know, religion is a big business. Not that religions don't do good work. Don't get me wrong. And that's, you know, Jesus was saying the same thing. It's not that it's not that all this industry and stuff is necessarily bad. But when we let that take over, that becomes more important. We forget to use that strictly as a tool, strictly as a tool to do good things, to do good works, to care for the, you know, for the people around you, love your neighbor. But, you know, it's such, it's a very simple principle, but it, it's fundamentally challenging to capitalism, uh, industry, uh, not necessarily industry. I, the, our technology is not going to go away now. I mean, we have it, right? We have it. So why do we have to still operate on a monetary system? And that's what, I mean, Jesus, he said, give to God what is God's and to Caesar what is Caesar's. And, you know, he's, he's, he's saying, put the money down. You know, I mean, if you, it's not that money's bad. You know, we can have a system of money, but why do we have to be capitalists about it? Well, you know, <laughs> why don't we operate our monetary system from the principle of 
you know, everybody needs to be cared for and we just kind of like use money to keep track of things and, and, uh, you know, improve commerce and, you know, efficiently provide for ourselves. And, but instead we, we, and Jesus said, you know, it, it's, uh, it's the beast. It's the anti-Christ. You know, want to have control and take power and and dictate and have rules and have order and have hierarchies and you know this mind of man. It's it you know. So it, that it's like it, it's an epic battle. Two thousand years, it hasn't gone away. It's still the same thing. It's it's kind of like there's there's this there's this machine. <laughs> you know, Pink Floyd talked about, and and you know, all we are is just another brick in the wall in the machine. You know, we have systems that operate and think that way, and you know, they're run by people who don't have the spirit of Christ in them whatsoever, and they're strictly out for money and they're cutthroat business. You know, people in business will tell you it is cutthroat, and it is in America. You know. And it's such a, you know, it'll be promoted as such a great thing and enticing and wonderful. You know, that story of Jesus in the Bible sitting on the top of the temple or the highest mount or whatever it was. And the devil, the devil was tempting him. And, you know, that it's an allegory. It's a metaphor. Uh, you know, the sinful nature, he was, he was having that temptation of, you know, if I wanted to. I could, you know, I could own this whole kingdom. I could own everything I see. But instead, he chose, you know, that's the thing about this love life. You have to choose it. We have to choose to be that way because if we, if we don't keep ourselves in check on our own, we're unruly, <clears throat> you know. We're selfish, we're manipulative, we're controlling, we're egotistical, we're just, we're self-centered. But until we choose not to be, and then things change for us. You know, that's, that's when the outlook changes. That is the salvation. Uh, you know, that's when we start to see heaven as Jesus was talking about. He says in the Bible. You know, he's, he's quoted, Jesus is quoted as saying the the heaven is in front of you, but they fail to see it, you know, because we're all wrapped up in our, in our world, you know, all up in our head of the, you know, the hierarchies and control and the systems and the, you know, and the money, you know, all that stuff that we, you know, <laughs> the wise prophet George Carlin that's a great sketch. Stuff. The stuff that we just try and fill our void with. You know? And and that's the beast. And, and we're seeing it collectively. In, in our culture, in our world today, we are seeing it. You know, it's like our technologies amplified it. <clears throat> morphed it. And... The idea that that numbers is the mark of the beast um, is fitting. 
it, it fits because we rely on our, our, you know, our machine, our invention, our knowledge, our creation. And we put that in a position above, you know, it takes the place of in our minds, simply loving one another and looking around at each individual with love in our hearts. It's like we're distracted from that uh, uh, because it, it has to be intentional. We have to intend to be that way. So, so I just wanted to clarify, um, when I'm talking about God, when we're getting into this discussion about what Jesus actually said, and uh, the pragmatic faith is, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be fooled. I don't want to be tricked by some BS like any, anybody. So, so I'm trying to look at this realistically. And when we look at it realistically, at least for me, it starts to make a whole lot more sense. And I'm telling you, the Gnostic Gospels, this Gospel of Thomas, is a treasure trove. It's a treasure trove. Um, I highly recommend it. It seems authentic. Um, a lot of it is uh, directly comparable to uh, where these sayings are found elsewhere in the Gospels and otherwise attributed to Jesus. Um, it seems legit. It seems legit. Um, you know, I don't want to be fooled. I could be wrong. But the scholars are saying it's real. The scholars are saying, you know. So um, it's worth looking at. But there, there are some... Uh, what at first are misleading. I, I saw a, uh, a video of a Yale professor um, giving a, a, a talk about, um, I think it was Mary Magdalene and the Gospel of Thomas. And he, he quoted this thing. It was, I think, the last, the last verse where it's about, he's talking about um, men and women um, because Peter apparently was uh, anti having uh, women in uh, in rabbinical, you know, or or positions of leadership spiritually, and that came from his, I I think, from his um, kind of strict Jewish interpretation um, of the rabbinical code. And I'm no by any means an expert on Judaism. I'm not. Um, I'm looking more into it though as I explore this um, this relationship and get into the details and the meat of what was actually going on back 2,000 years ago. But this, there's this quote at the end of the Gospel of Thomas. It's number 114, I guess, verse 114. And this particular translation is by Lambden. Um, and it says, Simon Peter said to him, meaning Jesus, let Mary leave us, for women are not worthy of life. Jesus said, I myself shall lead her in order to make her male, so that she too may become a living spirit resembling you males. For every woman who will make herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. And this Yale professor is like, what? What is that supposed to even mean? Oh, like, but, oh is he promoting transgenderism? Um, well, no, it, it's a metaphor. He's speaking in in imagery and allegory and metaphor, and 
And he's saying, because uh, Simon Peter, let Mary leave us, for women are not worthy of life. And what he says of life, I started looking into the uh, the Greek of it, and it's this guy does a translation, but some of the words can be um, have a slightly not necessarily a different meaning, but used or you know you could use a different a different word anyway. Worthy of life, he's if if I understand correctly, he's talking about let Mary leave us for women are not worthy of life. He he's saying the life that they're living of of this you know this enlightened path or or what have you and jesus said i myself shall lead her in order to make her male so that she too may become a living spirit resembling you males so the the outcome of what they're trying to do is become living spirits right living this life of love for your fellow human beings and honoring God, love, the spirit of love above all else. Right? That's the path. So he's saying, I shall lead her in order to make her male. And and that's a cultural thing, as I understand it, because there was such a strict um, prohibition on women holding positions of spiritual leadership in in the Judaic cultures that were around at that time. So that was like a big no-no. And Peter's like, you can't. And Jesus was like, listen, I, I'll teach her myself, right? It's all good. So she will be the same kind of living spirit as you. She'll, she will be one of us. For every woman who will make herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. So if they, if, if the woman will follow this way, she too will enter the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know why that doesn't make sense. That seems like a, a rational interpretation of the imagery and the metaphor that they're talking about. Now, the fact that he's talking about Mary Magdalene and she was his, like, uh, uh, I myself will lead her. He's saying that Mary Magdalene was one of them. She was one of the disciples. Huh? That rocks the, that rocks uh, doctrine. These kinds of things rock doctrine and, and, and the established church with the establishment religion doesn't want that they like it the way it is because they're in in charge of the narrative but facts and evidence and you know pragmatic thought is it's peeling away the layers of mystery to this and it's allowing the truth of it to come out and that's why Jesus was killed, because his, what he was preaching, what he was teaching, and what he was catching, you know, what was catching on in mass was this idea of just loving one another and not worrying about money and just treating each other right. And everyone can be forgiven and we can all change 
and we can all be part of this, right? There's no more, you ain't got to go down to the temple. You ain't got to go 10% of your whatever. You ain't got to go do all that. You can meet God right where you are because we are one in the same. You know, God is love. And when we all start to live in the spirit of love, the God of our fathers, right? When we start to live in that spirit of love, the God of all eternity that rules over time and space, love. The, you know, that's what it is. It's not some mystical, magical being off in the cosmos coming to get you or punish you or keeping track and keeping tabs. And, you know, that's not what it is. That's not what Jesus was talking about. I mean, everything that I'm saying is everything that I'm saying is supported by uh, the Bible. I'm saying things that are I'm referencing things that are in the Bible. I'm not making things up. I'm not twisting things. I'm not manipulating the message. Um, I'm looking at it from a rational, pragmatic point of view. And this is the conclusion. So that's what this podcast is all about. I'm, I'm exploring the idea that maybe we got it wrong. Maybe, maybe we've just misunderstood what all this was talking about. There's, a, there's, a, there's an actual, physical, tangible, rational path that he was teaching that can save our souls, save our society, you know? It is the salvation he was talking about. The new Jerusalem, you know, the second coming of Christ isn't necessarily the second coming of Jesus, but the coming of Christ. The way, the spirit that he embodied. You know, these things are, they're, they're metaphors. They're metaphors. We take, we take some things literally that should be metaphor and some things metaphor that should be taken literally. It's, it's a, you know, it's kind of gotten lost in translation, but if, if you start to look at it pragmatically, systematically, logically, it starts to add up like a puzzle and the things just fit and it makes sense. And, you know, so that's, that's what we're doing here. And I appreciate you tuning in. Um, I hope what you will do, I'm asking you, is share this with somebody. If you know somebody who thinks on this kind of level or might find it interesting or, or wants to challenge this thought, I'm open to being wrong. I'm open to being wrong. You know, hit me up in the comments. Let me know. That's, that's what we need to, that's what we, we seek and you will find. So that's what we're doing here. We're seeking. And hopefully we're helping you to encourage you to seek as well. And together we will find.